This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Breaking Pod, another week, another episode to cover. And this week, we are covering the season finale of season two, episode 13, called ABQ. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Zach Crippen. Zach, how are you? Doing great, Josh. I'm excited to wrap up season two. Uh, There are some interesting things to talk about here, including a major nit to pick that I have, but we'll get to that. And also the introduction of a major character, which is pretty exciting. That's right. Yep. And I will say it has felt like we've been on season two for forever, but that's because we were on a we were on a, an on and off again recording schedule. But now we are on again. We are we're dating. We're steady now on our on our schedule of every week. Going so, steady. That's right. Yeah, we will. We will move through, you know, uh, season three, hopefully in the next uh, 13 to 14 weeks, depending on if we take a break one one week in there. But yeah, I'm excited to get into this episode. And then next week, we'll talk about the beginning of season three. Can't wait. All right, Zach, well, let's kick off this episode as we do all episodes now with the two-minute summary from Wikipedia. Then we will give our grade, uh, our letter grade, and then our scale one to 10, what, how we thought this this uh, summary did in terms of recapping the episode. So from Wikipedia, Jesse awakens, discovers Jane is dead, and reaches out to Walt. Walt contacts Saul, who sends his PI slash cleaner, Mike, played by Jonathan Banks, to mitigate Jesse's involvement with Jane's death. Blaming himself for Jane's death, Jesse is distraught and runs away. Walter soon locates Jesse in a crack house and takes him to rehab. Walt's funds are funneled into his son's website, which attracts the attention of the media, causing him to be overcome with guilt. Walt's secretive behavior becomes a problem once again when he accidentally references a second cell phone while under the initial effects of anesthesia moments before his surgery. This prompts Skylar to investigate deeper, thereby revealing many of Walt's lies, which spurs her to leave him. Jane's father, an air traffic controller, distraught from his daughter's death, which Walt deliberately refused to prevent, allows a mid-air collision to occur between two airliners in the sky above Albuquerque, resulting in debris, including a scorched pink teddy bear and human remains raining down onto the White's residence as well as much of the city. Okay. Zach, what do you think about this summary, first of all? Oh, okay, N- not bad. Not as good as our previous one, I think. You know, I took out the hyperlink. Uh, there are two hyperlinks remaining in the notes here, but there was a there were two hyperlinks on PI and Cleaner that I actually took out before <laughs> I was like, why am I taking out hyperlinks? This is unnecessary. It's not like we're going to post this anywhere. Right, we need, we need the whole picture exactly. to be able to grade this. So I apologize. Uh, just for your, for your holistic grading here, PI did link to the Wikipedia page on what a private investigator is. And then cleaner okay, makes sense. Cleaner linked to the Wikipedia page for a fixer and a parentheses person, as if you know, like you need to be clear. This is the the type of fixer <laughs> that we're talking about. <laughs> right, says, right, right. A fixer is a person who carries out assignments for someone else or who is good at solving problems for others. The term has different meanings in different contexts, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Pretty funny. So anyway, okay, yeah. Interesting. So uh, so that's where cleaner links to. <laughs> Yeah, if you hadn't said that, I might have thought you were talking about he was a house cleaner. Exactly. I mean, that's, he that's actually basically does a little what he does bit of that in this episode. episode. <laughs> he goes and cleans up all the drug paraphernalia. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think this is a pretty, it's pretty good. I mean, it reads a little bit, um, it, it reads as if it's kind of segmented. It doesn't flow super well. Yeah, um, yeah so, I agree. So I take off points for writing. I'll give it this one a, uh, I'll give this one a C plus. 
Yeah, I would give it a, a C plus as well, and I you know a solid six out of ten. Yeah, not terrible, right. but certainly not not the best. Yeah. You know, it's gonna have a, a long way to go to compete with the previous episode, season two, episode twelve. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> All right, Zach. Well, I think we should start at the end in this case, and we, we've got to talk about this this plane crash that we've been leading up to, and you know we've been seeing clips of this throughout the whole season, starting back in in episode one. Yeah, I've got a question for season. you on this actually. So. Yeah. Back in episode one or two of the season, you said you had a shorthand because some of the episodes of the season open with scenes from the pool and specifically right. the teddy bear. Other episodes of the season do not open that way. You said you had a, a a quick tip on how to tell which episodes would open that way and how and which ones do not. What, so I don't know the answer to that. What What is the way you tell? Yeah. So if you look, so we've talked before on this podcast about how the episode titles have more than one meaning. And if you look back at the episode titles for this season, all of the episodes that open with the pink teddy bear slash black and white moment, this is what it reads when you read all of them. It's episode one, it's episode four, it's episode 10, it's episode 13. And they read 737 down over ABQ. So basically, it's oh, wow. sort of like the shorthand code for a 737 has crashed over Albuquerque. Wow. So if you're if you're looking back, that's how you can sort of tell what that little code is. So I thought that was interesting. But all of those episode that's titles cool. probably have, you know, in for example, 737, we talked about that was how much money, $737,000 that Walt thinks that he needs to be able to support his family. So all of the episode titles have other meanings, but that was a quick, clever thing that the writers did that well, over, we can now look back on. Which we did three weeks ago. Over was the one where we thought that Walt was over the drug game. He was, he was getting right. out. Yeah. Exactly. So very smart writing and very clear that Vince Gilligan is involved in all aspects of the show, not just being the creator and occasional episode writer. He's really sort of has his his, his fingerprints and everything, and it's uh, very impressive. But we should talk about a little bit about the plane crash, because I think this is probably the biggest broader thoughts and themes that we could talk about in this episode. And my interpretation is that this is a way to sort of show the impact that Walt is having. Because I think a lot of the times Walt thinks, look, my meth cooking, what I'm doing isn't affecting anybody. I'm not involved in the the dealing of the drugs. I'm not involved in people using the drugs. But really, his involvement in being a meth kingpin, his involvement in Jesse's life and ultimately Jane's life, and which leads to her death, will ultimately lead to this tragedy where you imagine hundreds of people have died. And so I think this is just now, whether you agree that it's a little too on the nose, whether it's a little too dramatic, I think it's meant to be in the episode and in the season to show that Walt and what he's doing has a far bigger impact than he'll ever know. Did you sort of read that the same way? And and another thing we get in this episode is that Hank is starting to track where Walt's meth is showing up. And he's starting to make pins in states all around New Mexico. So Walt doesn't know that his meth is being distributed far and wide by drug kingpin Gus Fring. But everybody else is starting to recognize that. Yeah, I think that's right. Actually, I'm just so the uh, the Hank monologue where he's talking about this is some of my best writing. So if you don't mind, I'll just play that real quick, and then yeah, and then I can respond to what you just said. So sure. this is this is Hank, and I mean this is nothing like especially brilliant, but I'm just kind of a sucker for the long monologues by 
Hank and Saul Goodman especially because yeah. they're just I mean they're, they're silver tongued like the, the the stuff just rolls off their off their mouths and I I find myself just like just just listening to it all really enjoying it and and there's no exception here I mean Hank is you know, he was having a he was having some struggles a few weeks ago and now he's back into form hunting down this kingpin named Heisenberg here's what we know Christian Ortega aka Combo shot dead by an unknown assailant last month Combo I hear you say. Why, I'm unfamiliar with that name. Was he a Nobel laureate, perchance? No, he was a dipshit wannabe banger. Now, no arrests, save for stealing a baby Jesus from Knights of Columbus Manger back when he was 17. This dude was so low rep, he never showed up on our radar. So why am I talking about him? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? He was dealing blue sky. That's right. Now, how is it that the purest, most professional grade of meth we've ever come across is being slung by the likes of that? So I think just showing the the creativity of the writer's room and uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's just great. I love it. So that's my favorite writing for this episode. But back to the plane crash, Josh. Totally agree. Uh, this does show that the effects of Walt's actions are far reaching. I think it's interesting too. you know, just juxtaposing it with the Jane death that we saw in the last episode there we see oh man Walt's a bad guy because he's willing to stand by and let one person die now we think oh Walt's a bad guy because the stuff he's done has led to hundreds of people dying and maybe countless more in the future we don't know yet but but I think it is it is interesting and then we find out of course that there's a very clear linkage between the two of those things right that the plane only crashed I mean, it's, it's the butterfly effect right the plane only crashed because the air traffic controller operator was Donald who was Jane's dad who was so distraught by his daughter's death that he wasn't focused on his work and accidentally you know had a had a lapse in in uh, traffic control and uh, and let the two planes fly into each other yeah, and what I think is also interesting about this is that, you know, part of the episode focuses on the fact that Walt has surgery and the surgery is successful, you know, in terms of healing his physical body. Like, the doctor essentially gives him news that says, you've bought yourself a lot of time. And so, on the surface, we're meant to think Walt is healing. But I think what this plane crash sort of represents is that just because the outside or even, on his, in his case, the physical inside of his body is healing like the soul is crumbling and everything right. about it is sort of crumbling down with it. And so you sort of visually see that in the debris that starts to fall from the sky because that happens almost immediately after he has this huge blow up fight with Skylar, which we'll talk about in our best scene in just a minute. But I just think that it's interesting that you sort of have these two moments juxtaposed. You have Walt being physically healed, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually, he's like, completely bankrupt and and basically shattering to pieces yeah yeah i think that's absolutely right i will say if i can jump ahead to nits to pick josh yeah yeah i've yeah. got a i mean i could talk for probably five minutes on my on this this <laughs> nit that i'm about to pick but I, I will i will uh shorten my comments to about 30 seconds that is not how a plane crash looks in the sky that explosion they uh i think they went cheap on the special effects and basically just had an explosion in the sky it looked more like a um it looked more like a, a spacecraft dissolving on re-entry yeah. than yeah, yeah. a small plane colliding with a 737. Because when that happens, I mean, you'd see, uh, you'd, you'd get a mayday call from the 737, and you'd, you, the 737 would probably be airborne for a while. Uh, even, you know, missing a wing or, it's, or something, it could stay airborne for a little bit, and there would be some uh, some sort of ground track associated with it, and it would, it would go for a little bit. But instead, what we just get is like an explosion, period. 
uh, and yeah. that's a that's a little bit that's a little bit lame. The other thing is though, I mean, we had a similar critique with episode twelve. This is all just a little bit tidy, isn't it? I mean, the pink teddy bear falls right into their pool. Uh, some bodies fall right outside their house. Uh, I mean, the chances Albuquerque is not a not a big city, but even so, the chances of these happening um, is is maybe not infinitesimally small, but very, very small. And it's a bit tidy for it to all happen there, especially given Walt's, you know, conversation about installing a, a sonar sensor for pool safety so that if, if they know if something falls into the pool, it yeah. all just seems a little bit too uh, on the nose and tidy for me. I mean, I like the, I like the idea of the, um, of the butterfly, fl- uh, butterfly effect of Walt's action eventually leading to a plane crash. I don't know if I like the idea of things falling into Walt and Scatter's backyard from that plane crash. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I have I have another nit to pick on the plane crash, which I'll just say now since we're talking about it. But the teddy bear, when it falls into the pool, makes a humongous splash. And yeah, that's look, so the, true. The teddy bear is probably not very heavy. It will, at some point in its fall from the sky, reach terminal velocity, and it will just not be moving fast enough to make that big of a splash. It's, you know, like we're talking about a stuffed animal. We're not talking about something that has a weight to it so yeah, i don't a, understand there's a lot of drag it, associated with that stuffed animal yeah so i don't know why it makes like, it's like the it's like a huge man belly flopped into the pool <laughs> and yet all we get is this like this like pink teddy bear it doesn't make any sense yeah that's a really good point i haven't even thought about that all, all right. right should we back up to 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 best scene yeah let's go i, I okay, really so, like your your nomination here and i just totally agree with it so we've got the same one yeah, so this scene is between Walt and Skyler. It happens towards the end of the episode. And I actually forgot that this happened when I Same. rewatched the episode. So basically, the events of the episode happen. He has a surgery. It's successful. You sort of see Skyler react when they're in the hospital when Walt says something about which cell phone. And she sort of you, you sort of see this moment like, oh, Skyler's on to him again. Not a great but, moment for Walt. Right, not a great moment for Walt. But I actually thought that nothing was going to come of it. But then... They were meeting with the doctor afterwards and she's still sort of giving him the the sort of like, uh, you know, I don't trust you look. He's not picking up on it at all. They go back to their house after she asks, can he be on his own? And the doctor says yes. And then she basically gives it to him. So we're going to hear a yeah. little bit of that conversation now. We won't hear the whole thing. It's, it's like a five minute scene. But you, you'll sort of get the idea of what the conversation is about from this little clip. And she finally told me. The money for your treatment? Gretchen and Elliot didn't give you a dime. They paid for nothing. You refused every offer they made you. But that didn't make sense because I checked with Del Cavoli in the hospital and, and not including your surgery, we're nearly paid up. Over $100,000. Out of where? out of thin air so then skylar goes on to say i called your mom i know that you didn't go visit her i don't know where you were and she basically says walt you have to move out pack your things i'm leaving for the weekend get out of here i don't want to be with you anymore and this is just such it's such a great moment for skylar first of all i have to commend her detective work like she has a future career as a detective why work for she, maybe Beneke? she could be Saul Goodman's new uh, PI slash cleaner. <laughs> exactly. Why work for Ted Beneke when she could be a PI? You know, it, it's not necessary anymore. So first Why of all, work she for does Ted Beneke. Period. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. So she does her sleuthing and she basically calls Walt out, 
And it's a really powerful moment for her as a character. And I think visually it's really interesting because at first Walt is defensive, like, do you want me to swear on the Bible that, that I don't, that I'm not having an affair? And she's like, oh, I know you're not having an affair. Like I checked. And it's just one of those moments where Skylar gets the best of Walt. And I think up to this point, we haven't seen many moments from Skylar. Maybe it's because she's been physically hindered by being pregnant, but she doesn't really ever stand up to Walt, doesn't go toe to toe with him. And in this moment she does and she wins. And I think in for that reason, for me, that was why it was the best scene. Did you have any other thoughts? No, I mean, I think, um, yeah, your toe-to-toe point is spot on. Brian Cranston, clearly one of the best, just most talented actors in the show. And um, darn it, what's the actress who plays Skyler? Anna Gunn. Anna Gunn, thank you. Anna Gunn, I would say, is not quite Brian Cranston's caliber, but she can sometimes go toe-to-toe. And I feel like right. this is one of those scenes. And so, um, so it's good for that reason. It's also good, I mean, this is basically the capstone to the the season and you know we've seen the plane crash we've seen the effects of Walt's actions in that sense in a negative sense and we've also seen how his actions have now not even achieved what he initially set out to achieve right to provide for his family so that they could be a family despite his absence etc I mean now he's pushing his family away he has a really bad relationship with his son and now his wife is leaving with her infant daughter and says she wants him gone because she I don't think she says divorce in this scene, but she wants him gone because she's basically done being lied to. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I thought this was just a masterful scene. Uh, Anna Gunn's performance, I thought, was was fantastic in this. This is, I think, probably her best scene so far in the show. Yeah, totally agree. And I just think that it, it makes sense for the best scene. I mean, it is, it's like five or six minutes long of her just basically giving it to Walt. Now, the one thing I will say about the scene is that it did seem, again, a little neat and tidy that she sort of figures everything out. I mean, there is a passage of seven weeks, it seems, or maybe five weeks. I think five weeks from when he has the surgery to this moment. Yeah, I was unclear so there, on the timeline. That was one thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, so I think Holly was born, and then the surgery was supposed to be two weeks after Holly was born. Right. And then this is, then when they're meeting with the doctor, they ask how old Holly is. They say seven weeks. So okay. I, I'm there guessing it's about five weeks after. And you could be Sogerman's PI slash exactly. Cleaner. I'll just stick with the PI part. I don't know if I want to be anybody's <laughs> fixer. Cleaner. So cleaner, what? I, what I, yeah. Oh, cleaner. Sorry. Sorry. I should use the proper term. <laughs> so what I'll say about that is that it does. It is plausible. I guess it just seemed a little bit abrupt to the audience because there is this five-week passage of time and then all of a sudden Skylar has all this information and basically tells Walt to leave but I get what they're doing from a narrative standpoint because it's a great cliffhanger to end the season on and it sort of propels us into season three so were it to be an episode just randomly in the middle of a season I think I would have been a little bit more confused why they didn't build up to it but I can understand why they did it yeah so to me the I, I have a kind of a different take but a similar knit uh, so I don't necessarily think that it's like too neat and tidy that she's done all this research I think that it's too neat and tidy that Walt seems so totally blindsided by this, right? That like yeah. he's, he's been recovering for five weeks and then he's just like, what, now you're leaving? Like how is she, I mean, we know that Anna Gunn, I mean, that Skylar, played by Anna Gunn, does not have a poker face. Her character does not right, show right. like, you know, I know you're lying, but I'm still going to act fine about it. So clearly, yeah. like there must have been some building of this. And so you would think that these conversations would have kind of been coming out slowly, et cetera. Uh, not just all at once as soon as Walt is, you know, given the all clear by his doctor to live alone, you know? 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. Well, we already talked about your best writing. Was there anything else you wanted to say about Hank's Hank's monologue there? No, no, I just think like you know, Happy Hank is is his best Hank, and it's just so fun to hear oh, him. I totally just agree. hear him go. I love when he says the thing about combo being was he a Nobel laureate? <laughs> no. Homer goes <laughs> so anyone, <great>. anyone, Bueller. <laughs> yeah, perfect. It's perfect. Well, my best writing in this episode is is part of the scene where we were first introduced to Mike Ehrmantraut, who is, as we said, Saul Goodman's PI slash cleaner. Now, Mike will become an integral part of the show, and he's a huge part of Better Call Saul, the the prequel. He's a great character. And I think that this, the reason I like this as writing, as best writing, is because I think it just perfectly encapsulates a character when you first meet them. He's very no-nonsense. He's sent there to clean up after Jane's death, which is very gruesome scene you can see how jesse is reacting like he's he's in the fetal position pretty much when mike shows up and yet mike is very calm he's collected he comes in and we're going to hear a little bit of his of his um, interaction in the scene right here say it please i woke up i found her that's all i know (laughs) say it i woke up i found her that's all i know i woke up i found her that's all i know again I woke up, I found her, that's all I know. Again? Again? I woke up, I found her, that's all I know. I woke up, I found her, that's all I know. First of all, great, just great acting by Aaron Paul there in that scene. Totally. But but what I'll say about that from Mike's perspective is it's just, we don't know much about him at this point. In fact... When you see him in this episode, you're not even sure that he's going to become an important character later in the in the series. But knowing what what I know about him, having watched all of Breaking Bad and then watching Better Call Saul, this just perfectly encapsulates who he is as a character. Like he's you you learn in Better Call Saul that he was sort of this hardened cop, maybe even a little bit of a corrupt cop, you know, back in his you know original days in Philadelphia, but it's just so interesting to see a character that comes in and is so confident in the situation. And I think that it's a really great character introduction. So that's why I picked it as my best writing. Yeah, I love it. And Mike is such a, a complex character and you find out even more Vince Gilligan gives him this wonderful backstory in better call Saul, but Mm -hmm. he is, I think one of my favorite characters in breaking bad, just because of his complexity and the fact that he, he always seems to have a cool head and his motives even though he does bad things, his motives actually do seem pure. Now I'm not defending his actions because some of them are bad, but he, I think is genuinely trying to provide for his family. Whereas Walt, I think is doing it more for himself, you know, to prove that he can, et cetera. So in that sense, Mike is an interesting kind of character contrast to Walt as the show goes on. And I I just think it's, it's really well done. Yeah. I was going to ask you this when we did one of our previous episodes, but I've been noticing on the rewatch that a lot of the characters that Walt interacts with are bald, just like him. And I was wondering if there's any significance to that. So Mike, I mean, other than the actors, maybe just being bald, but like Mike is another bald character, but, and oftentimes we're contrasting their, their motives and the way they approach situations. Um, When we talked about, I think two episodes ago, we talked about Walt confronting the, rival meth dealer in the parking lot yeah, at the right. hardware store yep. the guy was bald and the other guy was sort of like this junkie guy that yeah. sort of was like jesse so yeah. i'm wondering if they do that on purpose i have to imagine that in some cases they do yeah so i mean let's let's count the characters so there was that guy in the parking lot mike tuco salamanca was bald who else is bald yep hank is hank bald. is bald yeah that's true yeah and hank is probably the most clear 
contrast to Walt as a character when you when you look at like father son relationships because Hank doesn't have any kids of his own but the way that he treats Walt Jr. He's almost effectively his father in some situations. And so I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that all of these characters sort of, they don't look the same, but they could look alike. If you saw them from behind, you you wouldn't necessarily know who they were. And then when you start to dive in deep to see who they are, that's when their differences start to come out. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but I bet there is something to that. Yeah. Well, let's move on to best moment here. And I will give my best moment first because yours sort of follows on mine later in the episode. But mine is really short. There's no audio. And so I'll just describe what happens. But basically, Hank, at the beginning of one of the scenes, it might even be right before he starts talking about combo, or maybe even before that in the episode, he basically holds up this picture of Walt. No context to the very beginning of the scene. And the way that he holds it up is that it's right in front of a bullseye. And what he's doing is he's holding up this jar of like with Walt's picture on it for donations for his surgery. But the visual of how he holds the picture up, Walt's face in the center of the bullseye is just really interesting for the audience. You know, it's not it's nothing that the characters would pick up on. But us as the audience, we know that eventually this relationship where Hank is a DEA agent and his brother-in-law is Heisenberg, the meth kingpin, that's got to come to a head at some point. And this is just a little visual reminder that that's still coming down the line. Yeah, and my best moment does go right along with that. It's uh, it's when local businessman and, ph- and philanthropist Gus Fring is visiting the <laughs> police station uh, or visiting the DEA office. And uh, he has a little encounter with Hank and he notices... Uh, the little jar with Walt's face on it that is soliciting donations. And his uh, his antennae probably go up right away. And he says, is that an agent? Right? He's like, did I just, <laughs> you know, am I, am I in the middle of an undercover sting or something? And Hank right. says, no, it's actually my, or conversely, it could be like an agent gone bad, right? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. But then Hank says, no, it's actually my brother-in-law. He's got some health issues. Gus obviously doesn't know about these health issues, but he's wary of going into business with someone who has kind of uh, mortal health issues. And so he says, what kind? And and uh, Hank says, lung cancer. And so then uh, Gus donates money to the cause, which is just fantastic. Yeah, he's got a health issue we're, we're trying to. Oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. What, what sort of health issue? Lung cancer. Oh, that's a rough one. Oh, hey, 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 you don't don't have to do that. Please, please, I'm I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Businessman, philanthropist, kingpin, Gus Fring. (laughs) Can I ask you, do you think that that Gus had no idea about Walt's condition? It seems like he's, he's pretty thorough. Like, I have to imagine he did some research into... I mean, he might not know the the intricacies, but he definitely knew a lot about Jesse. Like he in in the the first episode where we meet him, I think is episode eleven. He mentions something about your partner was high when he came, but he's always high, and so it seems like he may have done some digging onto who he was doing business with. And I wonder if he's just saying all this stuff to sort of play dumb with Hank because Hank is an agent after all, and he doesn't want to show his cards at this point. I mean, I think at the very least, Gus Fring suspects something is up, right? Like, why do you, yeah. why do you break bad at this point in your life, et cetera? Right, right, right. And he probably has done his due diligence. I mean, he might even know that, that Walt is a chemistry teacher at the local high school. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's probably at least a suspicion there. I mean, I think he genuinely is asking what kind of health condition because he's like looking right, for right, right. information, right? But yeah, uh, but yeah I, think you're, I think it's not a total surprise to him. That's my guess. Yeah. All right, well, Unless you have anything else, I have one more nitpick that I wanted to point out. Let's we didn't it. talk about this moment in the episode, but there is this whole moment where 
the the local news, I guess, comes to interview the family, and Walt thinks it's just going to be a a sort of you know newspaper interview with with Walt Jr. about his his efforts to raise money for his dad. And we talked about in the last episode how in it's in episode thirteen that Walt is insanely annoyed by the dinging of people donating around the world because he knows that it's really his money coming in from basically like someone, you know, like a, a computer farm yeah. somewhere else. So his money that he does not mo- get credit for. That's what most bothers him, right? Right, exactly. So there's this moment where they're doing the interview. First of all, what is Marie wearing? She's like dresses up in like this really low cut dress. I don't understand what that's about at all. They don't even mention it again. Very strange. Agreed. What I will say about the the interview though is that Walt Jr. when he's talking to the interviewer about Walt, his dad, he's very effusive in his praise. He's like, he's the best dad, he's the greatest, he's the greatest person. My but, hero for sure. Right. But even from what we've seen as the audience, Walt is not a good dad. Like he's not very kind to his family. It's just two episodes ago that Walt forces alcohol on his son makes him throw up like what is walt jr talking about here like it just is totally a weird moment to have in this episode now i get character wise why they did it because they want to show how annoyed and uncomfortable walt is but it just seems very weird that he's so effusive in his praise yeah i mean i think part of it is like you know when you're interviewed for something like that you kind of find yourself playing to the cameras yeah exactly uh and i think part of it too is that it's probably hard to have your parent diagnosed with serious cancer and it causes you to overlook a lot of the ways you've been mistreated, I would think. So yeah, no, that's fair. But I, but I do think he was like, it was a little over the top. (laughs) So I do agree with your criticism of that. That's breakfast for you. I I actually have one more nitpick. Uh, that is, so the whole, the whole scene that we talked about, which is wonderful between Walt and Skylar, um, and, and her acting performance, that is all queued up by the, second cell phone comment where he slips as he's going under anesthesia. But in what universe are non-medical professionals allowed to just stand there next to the bed while you, (laughs) while you succumb to general anesthesia? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, there goes dad. He's nodding off now. And as he's talking to us, that's, I've never heard of that happening anywhere else, but it happens here and it sets up that confrontation. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, I think that only leaves our MVP votes for this episode. So, Zach, do you want to kick us off with your MVP pick? I sure do. This probably will not come to us come as a surprise to uh, listeners who heard me gushing about Anna Gunn's performance in this. But I'm going to go with Skylar uh, for that scene in which she is telling Walt she expects him to be gone. What about you? I actually, we you know the first half of the episode. I thought I was going to give it to Jesse. But I'm going to agree with you. I have to go with Skylar for this episode. She just has the most to do. And her her part is also the most pivotal in terms of driving the plot forward from here. So I have to give it to her as well. She's just great in this episode. Yeah, I agree. Well, one thing so I will say, one one nice visual we didn't talk about, um, or maybe nice is the wrong word. One uh, interesting sort of visual contrast. Um, when the scene, when the episode opens, we know, of course, we, we've just followed Jane's death. And the scene opens with like the with a view of a bed spring bouncing up and down. And mm-hmm. normally when that happens in movies, you think like some couple is uh, enjoying an intimate moment, right? Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. And so that's that's like that's where your mind goes when you see that. But then it's it's Jesse trying to administer CPR. And it, like it's 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 emblematic, I think, of like just the complete crushing uh, feeling that Jesse has. Right. Like 
things were going so great for him. He was so high on life with this wonderful girl, Jane, who he, I, th- I think, loved. And and it's all taken And he says that, too. Yeah. Um, and so he, I, he has some really heartbreaking moments in this episode. Oh, my goodness. It's bad. I mean, this is, I think, you know, we've seen Jesse, like, you know, kind of become hollowed out before, but nothing like this. This is just a complete hollowing out of his his whole person, and it's really devastating. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about, but I'll just mention it briefly, Walt finding Jesse in the crack house. I mean, it's just such a sad moment for this character. And when Walt finds him, first of all, he's strung out on something. But when Walt tries to pick him up to take him, you know, he he basically through like tears and all of this emotion says, I loved her, like, and now she's gone. And if it weren't for the scene that Skylar has at the end, I think Jesse would have been the clear runaway for this because... Then you see him taken to rehab by Walt and Walt's pretty much like, look, I have my surgery. I can't deal with this anymore, but Saul will take care of you. And we don't really hear from him the rest of the episode. So we're not sure what happens to him. We'll find out, I think, at the beginning of season three. But, you know, it's just like a devastating moment for Jesse and sort of where his trajectory goes from here is going to be really interesting. Totally agree. All right, well, let's just do a quick recap on MVP tallies through two seasons, and then we'll wrap this episode up and wrap season two up for Breaking Pod. So first, we have Jesse with 10 MVP votes. In second place, we have Walt with nine MVP votes. In third place, we have Skylar with seven MVP votes. In fourth place, we have Tuco holding strong at four MVP votes. And then in fifth place, with three MVP votes, Jane will also be holding strong, I assume, at that at that moment and that at that score. And then after that, we have Saul Goodman with two, Gus Fring with two, Crazy Eight with two, and then we have Hank with one. And then, of course, bringing up the rear, Walt Jr., a.k.a. Flynn, a.k.a. Breakfast, zero zilch. Forever. <laughs> All right, anything else on this episode or no, this season? It. But I'm super excited to get started with Season 3, Episode 1, next week. Yes, so we will talk to you then. For Breaking Pod, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. We'll talk to you then.